You're listening to audio from Cities Church. You can find more resources and learn about our ministry by visiting citieschurch.com. Well, good morning, Cities Church. Great to be with you here on this fine and lovely Sunday morning in January. I um, was having a conversation with someone uh, a little bit before the service, and he said, how many sermons we're going to do in Hebrews? And I said, a lot. This is number four of God willing, many more to come in the coming months. And this morning we've come to Hebrews chapter two. And the first word of Hebrews chapter two, as you just heard Pastor Josh read, is the word therefore. Therefore. When I was in middle school and high school in, uh, in the city of Philadelphia, the primary preaching pastor at my church would often say, In the Bible, whenever you see a therefore, you should ask yourself, what's the therefore, therefore? Side note, I know we have a few pastors visiting us from out of town, pastors conference this week, pastors, people will often forget what you say, but they will remember some of those things and it will shape them. It will shape them. I was shaped by Pastor David Coston back in Philadelphia. He would say, when you see a therefore, ask, what's the therefore there for? And every time I see the word therefore in the Bible, I pause and I ask myself, what is it there for? What is it connecting? And typically, when we see the word therefore in the Bible, it's connecting some doctrine to some exhortation. Usually, in almost every case, you have just been given some information, some valuable picture, or some valuable insight. And then the biblical author is telling you, therefore, because this thing is true, here's what I want you to do with that thing that is true. So that's what we're about to get here in Hebrews chapter 2. And we get this several times throughout the book of Hebrews. There there are moments where we get these incredible truths, these doctrines, these beautiful pictures of, in particular, who Jesus is. And then the writer of Hebrews will follow follow that up by telling us what we ought to do with those truths. So what we've seen in Hebrews chapter 1, the last three weeks, we've been given some very important information about Jesus. Three weeks ago, Pastor Jonathan pointed out that even in the first few verses, the first four verses of Hebrews, we see 10 glorious facts about who Jesus is. So in chapter one, we see all these things about him. Over the last three weeks, as we've traveled through the first chapter, we've seen that Jesus is the ultimate prophet, that he is our high priest, that he is the coronated king, as Pastor David Mathis talked about. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of the nature of God. We saw last week, as Pastor Joe looked at the last few verses of chapter 1, we see that Jesus is greater than the angels, and that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling in majesty over all of creation. Simply put, what we see in Hebrews chapter 1 is that Jesus is better. He is better. He is better than anything else you might seek to find your satisfaction in. He is greater than all of the other gods that are out there. There is no one more lovely, more beautiful, more praiseworthy than Jesus. That's what Hebrews 1 is all about. But in Hebrews 1, there's no direct command. 
There's no clear exhortation for us. There's no, it doesn't tell us what to do with that beautiful information. And that's what Hebrews chapter 2 will do. Because Jesus is better, therefore, I want you to do something because of that. And that's what we'll look at this morning. Let's pray together and then we'll look at Hebrews 2. Father in heaven, you are so kind to us. You are merciful. You are gracious. You are slow to anger. Thank you. Thank you for the book of Hebrews. Thank you for inspiring this inerrant document, this sermon, this rich book that gives us such a beautiful picture of Jesus. This sermon, this book that has such great doctrine and glorious truths and serious warnings. God, thank you. Thank you for giving us this. Thank you that we have the opportunity to go through the book of Hebrews in the coming months. Thank you. Now I pray this morning that you would, you would use your word this morning to transform your people, to sustain us, to mold us to be more like Jesus, and to keep us from drifting. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore, we must pay close attention to what we have heard. Another English translation renders it, listen very carefully to the truth. There's this idea of listening. Because Jesus is better, listen. The writer of Hebrews knows that there's something powerful about listening. Who we listen to shapes us in many ways. I'll give you an example. Most of you know that I am from the city of Philadelphia, I mentioned a moment ago. And this afternoon there is an event that I care a little bit about. Maybe I care a lot about. This afternoon the Philadelphia Eagles will host the San Francisco 49ers for an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. <clears throat> Earlier this week, I was feeling very confident that the Eagles are going to win this game. I decided to go on the uh, Odyssey app on my iPhone and download or tune into Sports Talk Radio in San Francisco because I wanted to hear what they were saying. <laughs> I do this sometimes. I did it when the Phillies were in the World Series for a couple months ago. Anyway, we won't talk about how that ended. Uh, so I'm listening, and these guys are calling into the radio station, and they're really confident that the Niners are going to win this game. And I, I started, I got to be honest, it got me a little bit nervous. I'm like, man, am I missing something? I mean, I think the Eagles are going to win this game. I'm feeling good about it. But gosh, you know, maybe not. Maybe they're not as good as I think. I was getting a little nervous, and then I was on Twitter, and somebody was like, Brock Purdy, the quarterback of the Niners, he's a Christian. He was involved in a campus ministry. God's on his side. I'm like, oh, mute that. I don't need to hear that. And uh, it's garbage. Get that out of here. All right, I'm listening to these things, and it's causing me to not feel confident. So I had to turn it off, and I had to tune in to 610 WIP, Sports Talk Radio in Philadelphia. And my, by Wednesday, my confidence was back up again. <laughs> Change, right? Because who you listen to shapes your mood and your thoughts and your feelings about the things you encounter in life. The writer of Hebrews knows this is why he's saying, listen, guys, Listen very carefully. Give heed. Jesus said some stuff, and he is better. So his words are worthy of being listened to. Stop listening to the other things. Listen to Jesus. 
He says, listen very carefully. Pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Later in in verse 3, he will unpack, he will describe what he means by what we've heard. He says this, we want to listen to what was declared at first by the Lord. So he's saying, Jesus said some stuff, Jesus declared stuff, some really good things. We need to listen to that. First, Jesus gave it. And then later in verse 3, he says this, and it was attested to us by those who heard. Right? So Jesus declared various things to a particular group of people, right? mainly the disciples, the original disciples, the apostles, and then others, and later the apostle Paul. So Peter, or excuse me, Jesus is giving this group clear instructions, teachings, good words. And then those things were then attested to the writer of Hebrews, right? He says, us. So the apostles gave it to us. He's putting himself in the category of people that received it from the apostle. Side note, that does give us a little bit of insight into potentially who wrote the book of Hebrews. It was likely not an apostle himself. So Jesus declares stuff, important things, to the apostles, and the apostles give it to another group of people, and the writer of Hebrews is in that group of people. It was declared at first by the Lord, and then it was attested to us by those who who heard. Those things were passed down from Jesus to the apostles and now to us. And he's saying those things that came from Jesus to the apostles to us, those are the things we heard. Those are the things you must pay very close attention to. Listen to those things. Listen to what Jesus had to say. Remember what you've heard about Jesus. There's no one greater than him. The the angels are great and glorious, but he is greater than the angels. He is the exact imprint of the nature of God. He's the best. His teachings are good. And so we want to listen to these things, pay extra attention. We see that later in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 3.1 says, consider Jesus. Hebrews 12.2 says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Jesus. The theme of the book of Hebrews is pay extra attention to Jesus. Every week we we commission you out here with the words of Jesus in Matthew 28. Go, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Jesus says, go into the world and take my words with you. Because the words of Jesus are worthy of being proclaimed everywhere. What we've heard about Jesus, his resurrections, his commandments, his teachings, they are worthy of being declared everywhere. And that's what seemingly happened. The apostles obeyed Matthew 28, and they shared that with a group of people that included the writer of Hebrews the words of Jesus, what we've heard about Jesus. And in John chapter 6, the apostle Peter says to Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. The words of Jesus are eternal life to us. In John 4, we see a story of about, a, about an encounter that Jesus has with a Samaritan woman at a well outside of town. Jesus confronts her, and she's blown away by this. 
She runs back into the town and she says to the people in John 4, 429, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? A bunch of people in the town, they, they run out to see Jesus and they hear Jesus. They hear his words and they believe. And the crowd says to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. We hear from Jesus, and it causes us to believe. It causes us to believe. In John 5, 24, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I, t- I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes has eternal life. Hear the words of Jesus and believe. Believe what he said. Believe that he is who he said he is. The author of Hebrews is saying, we must pay much closer attention to what we heard about Jesus and his teachings because he is better than anyone or anything else in all of creation and beyond. His words are life. He is greater than anything else we might seek to find our satisfaction in. So it is wise and good for us to pay attention to the words of Jesus. Side note, I'm not saying only the words of the Gospels. I'm not saying that only the, the words of, that Jesus directly spoke in the four Gospels. That's not, I'm talking about all of the teachings and commands of Christ that came from Christ and then through the apostles. So in essence, when we hear the writer of Hebrews saying, listen very carefully to the truth or, or give extra attention to what we've heard from Jesus, in essence, we can translate that in our contemporary setting to pay close attention to all of the truth we find in the scriptures. That would be an appropriate way to interpret that or understand that. These are things that they heard from the apostles, and we too can hear from the apostles by reading the words of the New Testament. So when the writer of Hebrews says this, he's saying, pay close attention to everything you've heard about Jesus and everything that came from Jesus, mainly by reading the pages of Scripture. Listen very carefully to gospel truth, is what he's telling us. Then the, the writer of Hebrews then gives us a reason as to why he wants us to do this. So, so he, Jesus is better. Because he is better, listen to what he has to say. And why should we listen to what he has to say? He tells us, let's look at the second half of verse 1. He says, lest we drift away from it. The implication here is if we do not intentionally or proactively listen to Jesus, we will find ourselves drifting away from it. This word drift is a little unique. This is the only time this Greek word is used in the New Testament. But if we study the, the context of this book and some extra biblical sources, we can get a really good feel for what this word meant in the first century. And it, it is most likely in the first century this word was used in association with boats or ships. Specifically, a boat that was not anchored well. So, so imagine you're at the ocean and there's crashing waves, and a, a boat comes into the harbor, and the crew of that boat jump off the boat and swim to shore, and they never anchor the boat in. 
That boat's not going to last very long in the harbor. It's eventually going to drift away. It's only a matter of time. The writer of Hebrews is saying, if you don't pay close attention to what we've heard, the things that came from us, from Jesus to the apostles to us, if we don't listen carefully to those things, we are like a boat hanging out in the harbor that is not anchored. We will eventually float away. So pay close attention to what we have heard about Jesus. Pay close attention to the things that Jesus said so that you will not drift away off into the ocean. We have the same imagery later in Hebrews 6. It's the opposite. It it tells us that faith in Jesus, in Hebrews 6.19 says, faith in Jesus will be our sure and steadfast anchor. So reminding ourselves of the words of Jesus, what we've heard about Jesus, right, will be an anchor to us. If we neglect reminding ourselves, we will be anchorless. We will not have an anchor and we will drift away. If you don't anchor yourself with the words of Jesus, with the things we've heard about Jesus, you are putting yourself in a situation where you are likely to get tossed or pulled away by the tides of culture. Pastor Jonathan mentioned this a few weeks ago. There are always things pulling us away from Jesus, constantly bombarding you. There are things all around you every day. And we must be intentional and proactive to notice that and fight against that. I'll give you an example. A few weeks ago, my wife and I had the opportunity to go south where it was warm and we were on a beach and it was Christmas, and it was glorious. My wife and I, and uh, my daughter, who's 19 months old, and two of my sisters, my sisters are in their 20s, so the five of us were out in the ocean uh, just a few weeks ago. It was warm, it was great, and uh, we're about kind of between chest and neck high. My daughter, who's 19 months, had a little floaty device, so she's kind of just hanging out, probably drinking more ocean water than we would want her to drink, but that's okay, that's how you learn, right? And so. So we're out there, the, the five of us are hanging out in the water, and uh, my mom and my stepdad are out on the beach, kind of you know, ways away, I can see them, and they are lying down on the sand in front of this little kind of cabana hut fixture thing. And so we're out there chatting, my sisters and my wife and daughter, and we're having fun. And, we're, and then I looked up and I noticed that my mom and stepdad moved 20 feet to my right down the beach. That was strange, why would you get up and move? And I realized, oh, but the cabana hut seemingly moved with them. That's strange. Oh, they didn't move. It was us that moved. Right? I'm like, oh, they're, they were out in front of us, and now they're way off to my right. And so I said to my sisters, my wife, hey, let's, let's make an adjustment. Let's intentionally, proactively go down this way. And what we'd had to do every few minutes, I had to kind of periodically kind of check where we were to see because we continually drifted away. It wasn't intentional. The, the tide was stronger than we realized. And in order to fight the tide, we had to be intentional and proactive to look at the fixed point by which we could calibrate ourselves. The writer of Hebrews is saying, Jesus is, the, is, what, is who we look to to calibrate ourselves. And if you are not acquainted with what the apostles told us about Jesus, you will not know how to calibrate yourself. You will get pulled away by the tides of culture. 
We have to be intentional and proactive. In essence, the writer of Hebrews is saying, if you want to make sure you don't drift away from truth, if you want to make sure that you don't put yourself in danger, if you don't put yourself in a position where you can get swept away by the tides of culture, you're going to have to be intentional and careful to listen to what we heard from the apostles about Jesus. And if you don't do that, if you are apathetic or lazy, if you are not intentional, proactive, and diligent about doing that, there is a 100% chance you will be like an unanchored boat floating and drifting away. We're all tempted to drift. We're all tempted to wander. All of us. All of us are. We're all tempted to find our satisfaction in things other than Jesus. Like the old hymn says, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. The, dr the drift happens very slowly and you don't really notice it. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite <clears throat> authors to discuss this is C.S. Lewis and his classic work, The Screwtape Letters. Many of you are familiar with that book. In the book, one of the older demons is giving advice to one of the younger demons. And the older demon says to the younger demon, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. If we want to make sure that we get these Christians to hell, we get these people who, who are part of the church, who claim to believe, to get them closer to hell, the way we do it is slowly and gradually. The, the safe road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts, he says. The gradual road to hell will not have any milestones. It won't have any signposts. There won't be anything on that road to warn you that you're on your way to hell. That's why we must be proactive and intentional of looking to what we've heard about Jesus. Because when we compare the road we're on to Jesus, we will see we are not in line with Jesus. It starts so small, you barely even notice it. The drift is so soft, you don't even notice it. It starts just one click, just one swipe, just one text message, one download, one stare a little longer than it ought to have been. One conversation, just one episode. It's small. It goes unnoticed so easily. The Song of Solomon says this, it's the little foxes that spoil and ruin the vineyards. Not the big ones. That's not how Satan tends to work. He doesn't usually bring the, the, the big thing because that's easy to see. It's easy to see that coming. It's easy to fight it and be on your guard. No, no, it's, it's subtle, barely noticeable, gradual. It's little foxes. Those are the ones that spoil the vineyards. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, be intentional, proactive, fierce, furious, diligent. Intentionally remember, pay extra attention to what we've heard. Later, after this, the writer of Hebrews follows up this exhortation Look at verses 2 and 3 with me. He says this, 
For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression of disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? God willing, next week we'll touch a little bit more on angels. Pastor Joe talked about it last week. Well, the next few verses, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to angels a little bit. For our purposes today, I just want to mention that every time angels are involved, there's a clear, serious, and important message being declared or being depicted. Angels get involved, it's serious. The writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, in the past, angels declared messages. They were serious. The angels were in part of bringing the law of God into, into the people of Israel. It was serious. And if angels in the past were serious, and angels now have been involved in corroborating this gospel message, we should take it very seriously. This is serious. And then he says this, in the past, God made sure that that every transgression received proper retribution. Every act of disobedience was dealt with properly and justly by God himself. Therefore, if God is the type of God that deals with sin and makes sure that every act of disobedience gets the proper retribution, if God has always been that way, then we should expect for God to continue to be this way. Therefore, we need to be very serious when it comes to ensuring we don't drift into sin. Because God will ensure we get the proper retribution. God has never allowed humans to get away with sin. Never has, never will. Sin will always be dealt with. Proper retribution will come your way. Which is why we desperately need Jesus to be our advocate, because he takes on the proper retribution in our place. The last few minutes we have this morning together, I want to address three specific groups that may be in the room. There are more than three categories of people in the room, but there are three specifically ones I want to, want to tackle. First is genuine believers in the room. Many of you in the room are genuine Christians. You are generally, genuinely born again. You're regenerate. You have great affection for God. Praise God. I am glad you are members of this church. As Pastor Jonathan said a few weeks ago, if you are a genuine believer, you will never fall away from the faith. You're not going to ever lose your salvation. Okay? That's clearly taught in the New Testament multiple places, most clearly in 1 John chapter 2. But that does not mean that Christians still don't experience some forms of drift. We do. Sometimes we drift toward bad theology. Sometimes we drift toward laziness or apathy or nominalism or worldly ideologies. And this drift causes great harm in our lives. D.A. Carson, the great <clears throat> scholar and theologian, he says this, we have a tendency to drift toward compromise and we call it freedom. We drift toward superstitions and we call it faith. We all have this tendency. It's remarkable to me how many Christians I know have warped and worldly views of sexuality, marriage, divorce, 
They have a low understanding or warped understanding of the sanctity of human life, shallow views of church membership, weird views on the Holy Spirit. I know Christians that, weird, that read these goofy translations of the Bible that just do violence to the text. There's so many believers that have drifted away from wisdom and discernment and caution and diligence, and it wreaks havoc on them and those around them. The Apostle Paul says this in 1 Timothy 4, keep a close watch on yourself, a close watch, and on the teaching. Watch yourself and your teaching. Persist in this, Paul says, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. Keep a close watch. So Christians, I ask you this morning, have you been keeping a close watch on yourself? Or have you drifted? Have you been lazy? Have you been laxed? There's so many Christians I know that are just are not serious about holiness. Here's how Jesus tells us to deal with holiness in Matthew 5:30. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. Jesus is serious about sin. Are we? Are you? I pray a prayer regularly for our church. Uh, this Thursday night, our pastor together. I pray this almost every time our pastor together, our, pretty regularly. My wife and I pray this together. I pray this prayer regularly in my life. God, if there's anyone in our church sinning that has not gotten caught, God, I pray they would get caught. I pray you would get caught. I pray that regularly. So if you're sinning, just know I am praying for you to get caught. And God listens to me, and he will answer that prayer. And the day you get caught, it will hurt really bad. It will be humiliating, and it will be God's mercy on your life. Ask yourself, honestly, take inventory. How am I doing? How's my prayer life? How's my Bible study life? Is my love of Jesus vibrant and growing, or is it getting smaller and weaker? My wife and I pray regularly, God, my love for you feels so small. God, would you, would you cultivate a greater love for you in our lives and in our home? Are you becoming more holy or are you drifting towards sin? Are you becoming more diligent or are you drifting toward laziness? Are you growing in knowledge and wisdom or has your pursuit sort of fizzled? Ask yourself, am I more satisfied in Jesus than I am in the things of this world? In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul alludes to several people that have, what he says, shipwrecked their faith. And one of these men is a man by the name of Demas. Demas had been a ministry partner with the Apostle Paul. He was a part of the, the inner circle with the Apostle Paul. He was a part of the entourage, going from city to city, preaching the gospel, planting churches. But later in life, we find that Demas abandoned the gospel and abandoned the ministry. Here's what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says Demas abandoned because he was in love with this present world. If you are in love with this present world, believers, Christian, professing Christians, I exhort you, I implore you, if you love this present world, you are in danger of abandoning the gospel. 
Be in love with Jesus above everything else. If you are drifting, if you are fizzling, be intentional. Change your routine. Change the events of your life. Get rid of things in your life. Get rid of your iPhone or your internet or whatever it is or that relationship. Get rid of the things in your life that are pulling you away from Jesus and intentionally add things to your life that will anchor you, that will remind you of what we've heard from the apostles about Jesus. Christians, that's for you. The second group I want to address this morning is people maybe here who are not genuine believers. Maybe you're here, you've never believed. You've never genuine believed. Maybe this is your first time ever here in church in your entire life. Maybe you've been a member here for five months. Maybe you've been a member in churches for five decades, but you've never genuinely believed on Jesus. You've never genuinely looked to him. You've never really loved him or had passionate affection for him. You've never truly been satisfied in him. You've never truly believed that he is better. If that is you, you are not anchored. Your soul is in jeopardy. I exhort you today, believe on Jesus. He died for your sins. He rose from the dead. You can be saved by trusting in him. I beg you, I implore you today, believe in Jesus. If you don't know what that looks like, what that means, I'd love to talk to you. I'll be up here after the service. A few of us will be. Feel free to come on up. I'd love to talk to you about what it means to put your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. Because if you don't, you will drift and your soul is in jeopardy. Believe in Jesus, look to him. Christians, non-believers, the third group is this, or those here that maybe you're not sure where you stand today in your faith. At one time, maybe you believed wholeheartedly, you were confident in the gospel, but you've come to a place today where you have some doubts. You're doubting. I was there once in 2007. I had a season of life that I would call a, a crisis of faith. I had been a professing Christian for over a decade, and all of a sudden, because of some events in my life, I wasn't sure, so sure what I believed, if anything at all. Here's what I did. For the better part of a year, I pressed into the Bible more than ever before in my life. I read theology books and scholars and every Christian philosopher I could. It was the first time in my life where I began to really evaluate and study church history and really fell in love with studying church history in that season of my life. And after the course of that year, as I went into 2008, my theology had drastically shifted and changed, but I was more confident in Jesus than ever before because I intentionally acquainted myself with what the apostles heard and what they passed along to us. So if that's you, I'd encourage you to press more into Jesus. And if that's you, I'd love to talk to you after the service as well. But if you're here and you're, you're not sure how to discern, you're having doubts, is the Bible really true? Is, is it really without error? Is our understanding of, of sexuality really true? Are, are, there, are there things about what we believe that maybe aren't actually factual? How do we really know that Jesus rose from the dead? If you're having any of those questions or those doubts, I would love, 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 I would make it a high priority. And several of our pastors and leaders would make it a high priority to spend time with you. Here's what I would exhort you to do. Turn off TikTok, get off of Twitter, stop listening to the faux theologians who sound like they know what they're talking about, but actually don't. Get rid of those voices in your life and go press into Jesus. 
And what if we're wrong? What if this whole Christianity thing is totally made up and it's hogwash? Isn't it better for you to give Jesus a chance to speak for himself than rather than hearing it from someone on TikTok who doesn't actually know what they're talking about? Give God the opportunity to speak to you for him, to speak to you himself through his word. If you're having doubts, here's my exhortation to you. Read the Bible more than ever before. Listen carefully to what Jesus has said. Listen much closer and see what the Holy Spirit does through that. I have a few friends that have de- deconstructed their faith, and it always starts with something small, like, do I really need to go to church? Or is the Old Testament, like, absolutely accurate? And every, is there maybe a little bit of error there, here or there? It starts there. And often what I find with these friends of mine that have walked away from the faith is that in that season when they have doubts, they run to other sources other than Jesus to learn about Jesus. They run to TikTok to the other person who's deconstructed, who's angry about evangelical churches or angry about Christianity, to just stoke their anger. If you do that, your soul will be at risk. So I plead with you, I beg you, I implore you, give God an opportunity to speak to you through his word. Read the Bible like ever before. Listen to what Jesus has to say. Get rid of those secular progressive types or the liberal theologians who question the inerrancy of Scripture. Go listen to what Jesus said himself. It's heartbreaking to watch some of my friends. I have a friend of mine who I did ministry with for several years who recently officiated uh, a so-called gay marriage ceremony. And um, I was heartbroken. I, I, I cried when I saw him celebrating on Instagram. But I know how it started. And I know that he drifted over the course of a decade. And I know the voices he was listening to. If you don't intentionally listen to the words of Jesus, what we have heard from the apostles, you put yourself at serious risk of drifting. The writer of Hebrews says this, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift. Christians, people here this morning, all of us, pay closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you again for the book of Hebrews, the opportunity we have this year to go through this book. God, like Pastor Jonathan prayed a few weeks ago, I I pray again. Would you show us your glory through this book? May you transform us and how we live through this book. God, would you help us to know you better, to truly believe that Jesus is better. May all of us truly believe that to the core of our being, every fiber of our being. May we believe that Jesus is better and may we live like that. For the Christians in this room that have drifted, God, would you bring conviction and may we choose to follow and obey the exhortation of the book of Hebrews here. For those in this room who do not know you, may they look to Jesus and be saved. For those in this room that have had doubts, God, may they listen carefully, pay more attention to the words of Jesus, to what we have heard about Jesus, and may that inspire them and strengthen them in the faith. God, I pray that you would also raise up workers among us, laborers, pastors, church planters, missionaries from this congregation to go throughout these Twin Cities 
and beyond to the ends of the earth. People who know that Jesus is better and are willing to proclaim your words to the ends of the earth. May God, would you raise that up? God, would you help us see that Jesus is all satisfying? Would you help us love God more and help us hate our sin more? God, when we have doubts, would you give us grace and courage to pay more close attention to Jesus? And may we be satisfied in you. God, would you guard us from drifting? Would you guard us from being anchorless in the age in which we live? God, would you do that in us, I ask. pray this for all of us, myself included, in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. And now we come to this table. Each and every week we come to this table, Jesus' table, the Lord's table. And Jesus is real. He is here. And we come to this table to share a meal with Him, to experience His presence, to remind ourselves that Jesus is better. This table is open to everyone here who believes on Jesus. If you are a follower of Christ, you are welcome to participate with us. If you are here, however, and you are not a follower of Jesus, if you have not put your faith in Christ, I am glad you are here. I'd love to talk to you after the service, but I would encourage you when the bread and the wine come pie, just let it pass. But don't let the moment pass. Rather than taking communion with us this morning, I implore you, I encourage you, take Christ instead. Again, I'd love to talk to you about that if you're willing. The pastors will come in just a moment. We'll pass the bread first. It is gluten-free. Hold it, and we'll eat together. His body is the true bread. Let us serve you.